This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Bill Buckner, President and CEO of the Samuel Roberts Noble Foundation and Board Chair of the Soul Health Institute. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. The American Sugar Alliance is a national coalition of sugar farmers, processors, refiners, and suppliers dedicated to preserving a strong sugar industry. Learn more at sugaralliance.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Bill Buckner next. Sugar subsidies in 120 countries are on the rise and threatening 142,000 U.S. jobs. That's why the American Sugar Alliance is pushing for a global subsidy ceasefire. Their goal is a subsidy-free world market that fosters efficiency. And they know that unilateral disarmament of America's no-cost policy without concessions from abroad will only outsource U.S. jobs and reward foreign subsidizers. The plan is called the Zero for Zero Sugar Policy. You can learn more at SugarAlliance.org. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The Samuel Roberts Noble Foundation was developed 70 years ago to help repair soils after the Dust Bowl. The foundation's primary mission today is to help with research to advance agriculture. Bill Buckner says the Noble Foundation and the Farm Foundation have teamed together to fund the Soil Health Institute with a common goal of unlocking the mysteries of soil biology and establishing a national standard for soil health. We came together to start the soil renaissance, and that was this effort that started in November of 2013 of bringing around 25 people together here at the Noble campus to discuss the state of soil health and soil health research, and and primarily looking at gaps in soil health research. Bringing that forward now to the end of 2015, we had had close to 350 people then that had been participating in different areas of the soil renaissance work groups, that being measurement, research, education, and the economics of soil health. And with that, we were sitting around the table one day, because this was supposed to be a three-year initiative, and we said, you know what, there's there's so much work here to be done, and we're really playing catch-up for after 60 years of, I don't want to call it neglect, but perhaps a lack of focus in advancing our understanding of soil health and soil biology, that we really needed to create something that's more sustainable and, and more long-term. So we created the Soil Health Institute. And with that, we hired a, a team of professionals to, to run the institute for us. Our, our volunteer ranks have swollen up to over 500 people. And we're really doing a lot to advance all of these areas, but more importantly, prioritizing what it is that we need to be doing because it takes a huge effort across the country to accomplish the things that we want to do. I have a couple of thoughts. Not all dirt's the same. Farmland in Illinois and Iowa different than that in Oklahoma and certainly even in Texas. So when we're talking about national standards, there's a lot of variation here. But are there common denominators for soil health depending upon the geography that you're in? Well, that's a that's a great point. And, and I think you can always look at the chemical and physical structure of, of soil and its nutrient requirements to raise a crop or to provide range and pasture for livestock. But the genetic variation of soil is so different that even in Carter County, Oklahoma, you know, we'll probably have six different genetic variations of soil right here. So to understand and assess the quality of that soil, it's going to be dependent on its genetic makeup. 
and also from a regionality perspective. Soils in, in the southwest are going to be different than the soils in Florida, obviously, and their ability to use the available organic matter is going to vary so dramatically. So those practices, along with the assessment, are all have to be tailored to that individual farm, in many cases, or county, or region, whatever the case might be. My personal background is from a family farm, and then now in agriculture, working in journalism. And I am just amazed at the work that we have with machines today, and certainly even more amazed with what we've been able to accomplish with biotechnology and the traits of soybeans and of corn and of other crops. But one area that I see now that a majority of companies are looking toward is the microbial activity in the soil and that that relationship between the root of the plant and the soil itself. Uh, it seems to be we've fallen into an ocean of opportunity, and that really is lining up with where you are with the Soil Health Institute. Uh, no doubt. I'll use a phrase that has been provided to me, when, and it was actually it came in the form of a challenge when we were looking at creating the institute and thinking about you know what kind of resources and funding it was going to take to, to really move this to another level. And I had an individual who said, "Well, Bill, you're you're not thinking broad enough." And, and I said, "Well, what do you mean?" He goes, "We should be thinking that the institute should be to soil what NASA is to space." And, and when we think in those those terms, that this truly is uh, the last frontier that you know we can actually easily access with today's technologies to assess more about this microbial life and begin to understand it, it really does open up these these elements of possibilities that transcend both human and um, human health as well as plant health and animal health and everything. And so um, we're just really excited about the, um, the potential to unlock these secrets. And, and I think as companies continue to invest in microbials and, and they're looking at platforms for selling microbials to farmers for plant health and soil health purposes, we really don't know how a microbial created in California is going to react with a microbial created or, or the soil type or the genetic variation in Florida. We know there's going to be disruption. But what does that disruption look like? And is it positive or is it negative? And those are the things that the Soil Health Institute will help scientists understand and, and crack that code to, to have a better understanding where I think farmers are actually going to be doing more prescriptive type of farming, looking at the microbials, looking at their inputs in order to find what that true balance is going forward. How do you balance public and private research? Well, we've been very successful with that. Um, hats off to NRCS for really staying with us to help us with the soil renaissance and now the Soil Health Institute. Um, they're, they've provided access to not only their conservation grants that are, are available to researchers around the country, but also people and knowledge. And so I think uh, NRCS and ARS are, are great examples of of the public uh, component of research working with the private sector being, in this case, Farm Foundation and the Noble Foundation. We've been able to work and bring our resources together to really gather that understanding and work together. When we talk about, Jeff, doing a nationwide soil health assessment, which we'll do, it'll take the conservation districts, it'll take ARS, it'll take NRCS, it'll take the land grants, uh, consultants, it'll be a nationwide effort of, of people that will work in this public-private relationship to really develop that assessment but then advance that through 
common workflows and prioritization of the, of the science that's going to be required. You know, when I talk to farmers, and, and again, coming from a farming background myself, the, the soil is life. That's the success or the failure of your operation is the health of your soil. And to suggest that this is an area of renewed emphasis tells us that we've worked hard, but there's more work to be done. Well, it is, and I think Buckner Farms is a prime example. Five years ago, uh, my brother, John, actually put the bug in my ear that we're not doing enough to optimize our soil health. And in our farms in Missouri, so we're right in the heart of the Midwest where we see all these climatic changes, whether they're hard downpours or droughts. And the fact is our soils just weren't resilient enough. And whether or not we believe in how climate change occurred, we know that climate is changing. And so with that, we... Farmers are very active across the country taking steps to improve their soil health, primarily through the use of cover crops and building up that organic matter to build up that resiliency. But they're doing it all, and they're looking at it through the lens of a power of observation. And again, it's going to come back to science in understanding what is that relationship and why are our soils more resilient and what is that balance that we're all trying to achieve. So kudos and hats off to everybody working across that applied research area where observation is the the primary form of assessment. But what the Soil Health Institute will do will will be incorporating the knowledge of scientists around the world to, to begin answering those questions of why is that taking place. It takes money to get this done, and the Noble Foundation has anted up quite a sum over a 10 year period of time, but you're also on a campaign where others can participate. Absolutely. We've contributed $20 million over 10 years, so $2 million a year, to basically fund the operations on a daily basis. And, and, and that's important from the standpoint that the employees of the Institute can go out and align themselves with other foundations or other donors, if you will, with projects that are important to that particular region of the country, perhaps, or particularly maybe that's a mission of that family office or that foundation, and they would know that 100% of what they're investing is going into that piece of research and not to overhead. And we think that's kind of the, the secret sauce, if you will, of really identifying the need and, and ensuring that the outcome is there and that the money supplied are, are, are there. So we have a we have a goal of, of raising anywhere from three to $500 million over 10 years to really create this institute that's going to stand on its own in the future. It seems the timing is real with the emphasis towards sustainability in agriculture. Is it plausible to suggest you could draw an audience of those willing to contribute into soil health? Yes, it is. I think when people understand, and you stated it earlier, that soil is our life, and if they understand through an assessment what the quality of, of soil health is in this country, there's a lot of family foundations and corporate foundations that are interested in investing in this area. And, of course, as you get into the food industry, they, too, are, are bringing soil and soil health into their sustainability metrics. And, and, and in order to do that, you have to have the science behind it to really understand whether or not that particular farm or ranch is uh, actually meeting some level of sustainability metrics. So we're working with those groups that are defining what those metrics are to be sure that they're using the best available information. Will you be cooperating with commodity organizations or farming groups? Absolutely. The Soybean Board is, is going to be an active participant in a lot of our activities. The National Corn Growers Association has already got an initiative out called the Soil Health Partnership that we're partnering with those folks they're working at on the at the farm level and primarily the upper Midwest. So there's a there's a great interest across all the commodity and, and farm groups 
around what is taking place. Is it safe to say that better soil could lead us to better or more consistent yields? Well, I'd like to believe it can. I think we're always going to see in situations where when we have a really good year, and that being the weather, that we'll always see spikes in our yield. And where you measure the the benefits of quality soil and soil health will be, of course, in those challenging years. And so that's, you know, I think that's going to be the big um, aspect of what would it have been like if we hadn't had quality soil. I know better than to venture us into the metrics of farm policy, but I would just ask here, is there a way or do you see in the future that in some fashion the standard of soil health might be tied to crop insurance or other policy from the federal government? Sure, I, I think so. I think, um, you know, I, I used to be an ag lender back in my early days, and I did it in the 1980s when interest rates were real high. And you always felt more comfortable loaning money to somebody who practices that used good agronomic practices. You knew the good farmers versus those that probably didn't pay as close of attention. And you're more willing to, to take that risk with them. The same thing's going to be with soil health. I said, once we get an understanding of what that really means, um, I think bankers are going to be using these this, this information. I think crop insurance, actuarial companies are going to be using this information. doesn't have a place in, a, in the farm bill. I think that's something for, for folks to debate. The only thing I'd throw out there is that I would hope that we would uh, potentially wait to have a better understanding of what soil health really means. And that way a farmer can actually demonstrate and, and, and identify through a an acceptable method, what that really means on their individual farm. There's probably another area in terms of cover crops, and I think that's something that can be addressed in this next farm bill in terms of termination dates and making sure that the crop insurance itself is aligned with the termination date of the cover crop to give that farmer the incentive to to really put those cover crops in without worrying about whether or not they're going to meet their, their cutoff dates on crop insurance. I think those are going to be critical components going forward. I could almost see a national standard applied to soil health affecting perhaps even the value of the land. No doubt. And again, you can drive down the road in any agricultural landscape, and you can look out there and through the power of observation pretty much tell which land's probably worth more than the other piece of ground. It's just not you know river-bottom ground that's going to be better than, than uh, farming in the hills. That's stuff we know. But when you you get in and you're really assessing farm ground and you're making these investments in improving soil health, you want to be repaid. And that's part of the economic assessment that the Soil Health Institute will do is, is to really create those models that will help real estate appraisers and things of this nature to, to really assess what that value is in a given part of the country. Will there be any technologies that will be off the board uh, as in this national standards that you're working toward now? Will there be any particular technologies that will be off the board, or will you try to highlight those areas that add value and build models for others to follow? That's a great question, and, and, uh, and we've discussed that. And I think, too, Jeff, it's, you know, I'm going mean, to answer your question, but our, our board of the Institute is comprised of a very unique set of agriculturalists. That being, we have a science and technology component on the board. Jay Broom, uh, president of CropLife America, is on the board, as is Jeff Moyer, who's the executive director of the Rodell Organic Institute. And, and so as we look at research coming in, a lot of that research will help us determine what that balance is between modern technologies and balancing soil biology that's been determined to be optimal for that particular farm. 
And so we want to have everybody sitting at the table understanding the science going in and, more importantly, what the outcomes of that science would relate to as it creates an understanding about the relationship of modern technologies versus, let's say, organic practices. And so I think farmers are going to be moving in those directions. And I have as many organic farmers tell me that they see biotechnology or gene editing capabilities as being extremely beneficial to, to organic systems. As much as you have modern technology or conventional farmers that are saying, I want to know more about how I can move more to the center, reduce input cost perhaps, how do I get more out of my soil of what the soil is providing, as well as maintaining that soil health so I, I don't have as, as high of an input cost. So I think there's going to be these changes. It's just how do we sit down at a table together? And that was the initiative of constructing this board to make sure that we're having those conversations. And then the last piece I'd bring up about the board is that out of 21 members, the bulk of the board members are going to be farmers and ranchers, both organic and conventional across different commodity segments. And so there's nothing more telling or more uh, where there's, you're accountable to another individual as much as you are to a farmer for the things that you do and the things that you say. And coming from an agricultural background, I sense that and I feel it more so all the time. And so I think it, they're the ones that are going to be directing this, this institute along with the technology providers. And, you know, and I see some really, really great opportunities coming out to start organic and conventional groups working together to advance agriculture and not get into these wars that we had in the past with GMOs. Are there particular benchmark dates now for the Soil Health Institute and your goals for progress? Yes, sir, there are. The Institute is located in Research Triangle Park in North Carolina. We have our staff hired. We have our location, which is, they just moved into their, their new digs, if you will, that just a couple weeks ago. Those are little hurdles, but they're pulling together now the action plan of the Institute. All of this is still moving in parallel to the activities of the soil renaissance, if you will. We had our first annual meeting this past year in July and did our committee formations. And so these committees will continue to, to, to form themselves along governance lines. But then the, the first projects that we'll do will be primarily along the lines of doing and setting up these, this nationwide soil health assessment and making the recommendations on what the soil test standards are going to be. And we hope to have all that by the first quarter of 2017 and in place. And we're having discussions with NRCS and others today in terms of how are we going to implement this nationwide assessment. The other project that we want to kick off in 17 would be a calibration of soil test standards around the country and developing those work streams for that. And what I mean by this is that the soil test standards on a state-by-state -state basis haven't been, in many states haven't been updated since the 1960s. So a lot of the nutrient recommendations that are coming back out of soil tests are, are done based upon genetics let's say, of corn and soybeans, of what we had back in the 1960s and late 50s. And so knowing that genetics have advanced so far, it's no wonder that we're out of sync in terms of our nutrient recommendations. So that's another key feature that we have to have. And we want to get started on that in 17. And the last piece I'll throw out there is that we'll be ready to go live with our database, which we're calling the Soil Health Landscape, where for the first time we've been able to assimilate and archive and curate all the information and the science that's out there in soil health and categorize it such where it's usable for anywhere from researchers, farmers, and consumers. 
And, and so we've received a nice grant to, to finish out that project, and, and we're hopefully that'll be up and live before the end of this year. Well, Bill Buckner, we want to thank you very much for spending time with us on this edition of Open Mic. Sir, it's Open Mic, and you have an open forum. Yeah, you know, I just might say that, you know, I think this is a, it's an interesting time in agriculture, and there's a lot of awareness out there in, in about soil health. And the Noble Foundation is an exciting place to be from the standpoint that, our trustees give us this opportunity to advance ag and stay on top of trends. And I think that's a testament to their 70 years in, in existence. And in, in, they count on folks like us to, to, to be sure and make sure that we're, the, the, the dollars that we're spending are relevant dollars that are going to, to truly advancing agriculture. So we're moving very quickly into developing uh, research programs around cover crops, because uh, that's basically what we do. We do research in forages, which are grasses and legumes, advancing soil health, advancing animal health. And, and it's an exciting time for us with all this technology that's flooding into the market right now and how we're going to use this. So I'm very bullish about American agriculture and where we can go, and, and um, I think it's the, the future is very bright. Our thanks to Bill Buckner, President and CEO of the Samuel Roberts Noble Foundation and Board Chair of the Soil Health Institute. Our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. The American Sugar Alliance is a national coalition of sugar farmers, processors, refiners, and suppliers dedicated to preserving a strong sugar industry. Learn more at sugaralliance.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.